another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing good. How are you doing, man? I'm alive and not unwell, so I'm doing good too. Sweet. Yes, Sweet. Sir. Let's just dive right in then, shall we? What are we diving into? Well, a little bit of a companion piece we thought to last episode's listener question about updating hardware, in this case, interfaces. Mm-hmm. A question that I sometimes get asked, and I'm sure you do too, is should you switch your DAW? Yes, I have been asked that question. We thought we'd tackle that because a lot of the same questions come up. Is my workflow going to be better? Blah, blah, blah. All these things that we'll tackle for the next half hour here. So All right. should you switch your DAW, Jody? I'm a bad person to ask that question because I'm doing it now. I'm working in two different ones. <laughs> right. But that's exactly why I asked that because there is a reason why you did that. There is. There is a very and good reason for it. there's a few questions that we need to ask ourselves then if we're considering switching our DAW. I'll tell you what is really difficult about being in two DAWs at once, especially in an era where most DAWs have a certain bit of functionality that this one still does not have. And that is your key commands are editable and changeable. Mm-hmm. Logic so, is brilliant for this because you can set logic up to be key commands for any DAW on the planet as you see fit, pretty much. Yeah, assuming that functionality exists in, in, logic, in the right. right format. Yeah. We've talked about that a little bit in the past, I think. I can go both ways on that because I do think that the customizable thing is brilliant. Yeah. Right. Makes in it logic. fast. Right. However, there is also something to be said for a standard set of key commands in the way that we work. So what is standard in one DAW is not technically standard in another. That's the problem. Right. But what I'm saying is that if you sit down at any Pro Tools station, you know the key commands because they're universal type of thing. Although I do think that they've started to add some kind of customization there as well. Mm-hmm. That's a kind of a cool thing because I remember going to your place in Reseda. Yeah. And I didn't bring my key commands the first couple of times. And I'm like, <laughs> why is this not working, right? Jody uses the standard key commands. <laughs> and then a few extra special ones. Right. That I can go both ways on, but it is kind of cool to have customizable way. But that brings up the thing of workflow. Mm-hmm. Right? We'll get into that a little bit later. The first question I would sort of ask myself or ask somebody that asked me for advice would be, have you outgrown the DAW that you're currently using? Sure. If you're a Mac person and your new shiny Mac came with GarageBand and You've enjoyed working in that, but now you want to take another couple of steps. So those more cases, beyond, more beyond. Right. That would be a case where, you know, yeah, at that point, going into logic is the logical step. Right? Mm. It could be any other thing. There's a million DAWs out there that you might feel like you outgrow, shall we say. We <laughs> Considering logic being pretty darn robust... And the second DAW that I'm now working in is not nearly as robust in that regard. It wasn't so much an outgrown issue for me. And I've never thought about it, mostly because I've been in Logic since day one when I first started doing digital recording. It's crazy. And I recall, I don't remember how many years ago, though, you used to work, I think, in Cubase until you met me. Yeah. I changed your life in a terrible way. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're to blame. That was a case now really dating myself here, but I think it was in the days where Cubase were just starting to implement audio. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where you'd show me logic, I liked it. And the price of switching was going to be good because I got you had your artist deal with it. So you got me in on that point. So for me, it was one of those things. I was going to have to upgrade, either stick with Cubase or somebody I was considering obviously working with, right? In your mm-hmm. case, I switched to the same DAW. That was a sort of natural progression for me to jump ship right there. There were some growing pains. Right. That would have also where, been a big budget issue as well, because you got the like you said the the nice pricing that I was able to get you. And back then, yeah. when Logic was not owned by Apple, no, it was eMagic at the time. It was eMagic yeah. at the time, and it was a pricey bastard because yeah. the DAW did not come with plugins at that point. The plugins well, were, were extra. Some plugins were. I oh. mean, the, the instruments, no. I think a lot of the the sort of, well, it didn't have all the, the plugins that we have today that are coming with it, right? But the compressor and stuff was in there. Those the things. Compress- and- yeah, the compressor and the EQ, but things like the EXS, that was yes. an add-on that cost an arm and a leg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Others and all cost- the synths and stuff, yes. the ES1, ES2, all that kind they of all stuff. Yeah, you had to pay for those. Expensive. So people yeah. complaining about a $200 fee for Logic for however long Apple puts it out before they update to a, a new generation is just laughable. <laughs> right. But when you're working with somebody and you're going to collaborate something, and but like you said, the cost issue there. Another thing with cost then could be, as a lot of things are moving to subscription models mm-hmm. as well. Avid, we're looking in your direction now. Right? Well, and Apple's doing it now on the iPad with Logic. Right. I don't think it's going to happen to Logic on the desktop because ultimately you have a giant dongle and the dongle costs you three grand, right? So. <laughs> well, but we'll see. I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> Speaking of dongles, Logic used to require a dongle before Apple. And even while yeah. Apple had it initially, it required a dongle. Initially, it started with the dongle and then after version seven, it stopped. Seven or six, seven. doesn't matter. But, no, but yeah, we should do an episode when we just nerd out and talk about logic <laughs> stories and, and nobody will listen. That's right. Let's say, for example, that the Pro Tools subscription is about, what's it, 200 bucks and up, I think, annually. Okay. It's not a huge deal, but if you're not a fan of subscription, I can see how that could be an issue. And especially if it's something that you're just doing, you're not really making money off of it. Right? It's just right. a hobby. Maybe you switch at that point to something else. Or maybe you don't even start on it for that matter. Well, it could be that, yeah. And of course, with Avid now, I think they have a rather aggressive price point to get people into the lower tier versions. Gotcha. So it's not unobtainable, but if you're doing this for a living and you're doing post work and stuff. Good luck. You're using Pro Tools. Pretty much. Welcome to your new fee. You know? For the most part. I've seen um, some I've seen some post guys use logic as well. Yeah. I suppose it happens. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, it's probably an avid thing going on. That doesn't really matter. If it's part of that workflow, you're probably not worried about a three hundred dollar investment each year. No. Because not at all. you're required for work, right? There's another reason why you might have to switch your DAW as well. And this also harkens back to the logic thing when it came to Windows. When eMagic sold out to Apple, mm-hmm. Apple's decided, 
we're not doing logic on Windows anymore. Yep. And the blowback on that, at least that hit my eardrums, was pretty substantial because a lot of the guys that I knew that were running Logic were on Windows. It's like, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that I, I would be pissed too. Especially like, with the amount of money that Logic used to cost. Yeah, it was a hefty investment. Right. So I get right. it. I understand. Yeah. I can't think of any other DAW at this point, though, that is not PC and Mac. Is Logic the only one? And GarageBand, for that matter? Quite no, possibly. that's not true. There's a third. What's that? Luna. Luna is still Mac only. Hmm. All right. There's probably some other. Yeah, that, that's kind of curious, isn't it? Hmm. But anyway, yeah. Obviously, other things that you can take into consideration here, right? If you're using more esoteric DAWs, okay. shall we? If they are not larger presence in the software world, maybe there's poor support for it. Mm-hmm. Is the application itself really buggy? Now, those are obvious things where it's like you have to draw the lines like, look, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not dealing with the constant crashes or non-functionality or whatever. So that might be a cause for you to switch as well. Now, that isn't to say that all of the DAWs are perfect oh, and they don't have bugs. I think everything has bugs. But how often do they come across? If it's daily, yeah. I, I, Move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would do. problems every day, then you need to change your DAW. Right. Not necessarily bugs, but a lack of features that you mentioned mm-hmm. in, in Luna. Yeah. Is it even 2.0 at this point? No. It isn't, right? It's not. No. no. So it, it's a really, really young DAW. Right, that, that to an extent, yes. Yeah. Because what is it? it? I mean, it's... One point. It was just before COVID kind of thing? Yeah, it came out right around the COVID era. And the interesting thing about it, it was created by guys that started Pro Tools. Oh, is it really? Yeah, the programmers hmm. are apparently from the Pro Tools world. Hmm. All right. Well, I think it's probably going to grow. But again, it's one of those things that it's tied to a dongle, right? It is. It's, it's a tied UA to a interface. It is. Right? So great to get people into the UA world, of course. If you just buy the interface, you have your DAW right there because it's a free DAW if you got the interface, right? Mm -hmm. And then what you get with it, it's a great way to funnel people into that, just like Apple is doing with GarageBand, right? Into Logic, you know, it's a great way to go. Other things to consider, workflow for me is probably the biggest deciding factor. Of course. What are some things that you're looking for? I will probably never ditch logic for a writing tool. Mm -hmm. It is a perfect writing tool for me. It is a perfect writing tool for me. I am not going to argue that. It marries the concept of MIDI and audio extremely well, as was not always the case. When audio and MIDI first came on the scene married together, the Mm -hmm. one DAW that you really wanted to make this happen was logic. Nobody else's timing along with audio and MIDI was nearly as perfect as Logic. Today, that's probably not the case anymore. However, I've been such a longtime Logic user that for writing in terms of using MIDI and audio together to me is not going anywhere as far as I can tell. Yeah, I don't recall those issues in the early days because I was not really on board at day one with Logic there. Mm -hmm. But one other thing with Logic that makes it, to me, again, so great for writing is that it's such a complete DAW 
in the way that you get so many instruments and samples with the sample library and all that kind of stuff, all the plugins. That it, it really is an, an entirely encompassing thing. Yeah, there's a lot and, of stuff to download. Gigabytes yeah. of sounds. And all the synths sound good, right? Mm-hmm. Now, some synth heads will probably go, oh, no, 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 that's horrible. And if you compare it to whatever, I'm sure you can find flaws with the things. But the fact that it's there for you to use makes it really complete, in my opinion. I'm not sure how Cubase is at this point. Mm-hmm. It's probably very similar. And a lot of other DOS are probably very similar. Sure. I think it's a Studio One, right, from Presonus. Studio I think One has, pre- very... yeah, Presonus has Studio One, yep. Yeah, so th- there's a lot of things there that make it, Awesome to get up and running. And I'll say this about Studio One. They did something out of the gate with ARA formatting that blew every other DAW away. When it comes to doing vocal production, Studio One killed it. Now everybody's yeah. kind of catching up to that, but they killed it right off the bat because they allowed you to use Melodyne in ARA format and Vocaline in ARA format before anybody else. So you didn't have to do all this crazy bouncing and tracking and weird file management that is now automatic with the ARA stuff. Yeah, they were first out with that. They were the first out with that, despite the fact that it was started with Celimony and Apple, and just Apple apparently never implemented ARA appropriately in Logic. Yeah, so that's a cool thing. If you're doing walls of backing vocals for like pop productions and stuff sitting there and dealing with it like time correcting stuff by hand is a pain, pain in the, in the took us there you go <laughs> <laughs> so that's a functionality now of course if you're one of those guys that you do more you don't necessarily care that much about let's say audio recording right mm-hmm. you're more sequencing thing and and you're dealing more on the electronic aspect of it logic has of course added other functionality with like the clip view and all that stuff sure right i don't necessarily deal with that a whole lot because it's not part of my workflow another DAW that is really really good for that kind of thing is obviously ableton live ableton live is good for a lot of weird things and one of the weird things that i would say that it was good with even though it wasn't designed for it initially Live use, obviously, because the name is live. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With the way that we used to run backing tracks in live performances, Ableton Live was the DAW of choice, so to speak. I wouldn't have called it a DAW back then. It was more of an audio player or a clip player of some sort. And due to feedback from us and Donnie, Ableton made changes because I had crazy weird time signatures and all it could do at the time was 4-4, but we were able to finagle it into doing things that were out of time signature aspects of it. And it does organization for live clip use where if you're not just playing a Pro Tools backing track where you have to play it in linear time, in linear order, Ableton Live is making that so stupid easy. And it's fantastic for that. And now it has the ability to do all the recording as well. So that's one thing that is an interesting DAW. And I guess in that way, it kind of gives me a third DAW that I use, but I don't use it that often. Because once I've done the backing tracks that go into Ableton, it's kind of like, okay, done. <laughs> I don't need yeah. to work there anymore. <laughs> Just do but, what but it that's needs to do. 
But that's obviously one that is really, really popular with a lot of DJ guys and those kind of performers. Where they yeah, do. it's able to warp time and, and sound extremely smoothly on the fly. It's not yeah. all DAWs can do that, which is right. cool about Ableton Live. And other cool things that we can talk about right now happen to be a word from our sponsors. And we're back. What's up next with this whole DAW stuff? You mentioned at the top there when you got me into Logic. Yes. I think another thing that we really should consider if we're switching a DAW, if we're faced up with collaborating with somebody mm-hmm. and you're switching projects back and forth, that is obviously a much easier process if you're sharing the same DAW, right? Yes. Especially if you're writing together, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to disagree with it. And the main reason for that is, is that it makes it very simple. If you want to shift session files between the two of you, it's very simple. Switching the session file and you know that unless you're using a lot of third-party stuff, you're sharing the same plugins. Mm -hmm. You got the same settings, everything. Obviously, collaboration there is a big reason. And I would even say as you're going to start working in a studio or you're working at a different place or you're hired to do some kind of work that requires you to use a certain DAW. Mm-hmm. You better I, learn that, it. Yeah, better learn it. And that's something that's happened to me recently where I'm doing some of the work for uh, Realitone. And the way that the process works without sort of any industry secrets here, right? I needed to use Pro Tools for the editing. Right. I had already dipped my toes into that universe because I wanted to know Pro Tools. It was just one of those things. I got projects from people that were using Pro Tools, and it just eliminated that whole thing of trying to get people to to get their multitracks to me for a mixing session or whatever. So I had already kind of dabbled with it a little bit. In this case, for me, it's like, yep, you got a secondary DAW now. That is a valid reason. But also, if you're going to be an engineer sending in a studio, and you've been using some other DAW at home, while that knowledge will suit you well, the workflow is going to change. Yes, it will. So step up. Now you got another DAW to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Another reason that you might want to switch a DAW is like, and I've actually heard people say this, we mentioned workflow again and again here, right? Right. Where people feel that they're stale in their workflow. They're just sadistic enough to go like, no, I'm just going to mix it up and I'm going to start a whole new DAW as a source of inspiration. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's not That would not be me. I don't think I'd do it for a challenge. That's for sure. Yeah. I did do it to an extent with, with Pro Tools mm-hmm. because I just wanted to do it. But it wasn't like I was under the gun and I'm going to abandon logic. Right. It's one of those things where I've actually heard people say, no, I, I just want to make sure that I'm not just going through the motions that I always do. And I always put up this compressor and I do in this and a certain way of doing things and just really focusing on the music that they're mixing or uh, creating, as it were. That sounds a little yeah, weird that, considering how you do your templates. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I wouldn't do that. Right. I'm, I'm not talking about myself for doing that. But some people would say that, no, I like to just stay on top of it and try something else and see what comes out of it. Right. I tell you, when I first started getting into Pro Tools, there's no bigger eye-opener to me 
then realizing how well you know a certain DAW when you're faced with switching to another one. Oh, yeah. And you're just at like almost ground zero. It's like, what the hell? And how do, <laughs> how do I do this? Where is this function? Where do I find this key command? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and it made me realize that how many things I do when I work with logic that I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You know, like key commands and things that just happen. Yep. Right? And now starting off from ground zero. It can be good, but it's also going to be a very, very daunting task as far as I'm concerned. I agree with that. Very much yeah. so. The one thing that we'd like to iterate here, uh, talking about DAWs, and obviously we've spent a little bit of time referencing logic as it's been our main bread and butter for a long time, but it doesn't mean that we suggest that you use logic. No, this could be any it DAW. It could be so any if DAW. You're... If you know your DAW as well as you know logic like we know logic, it would be the same sort of thing. The one thing I want to make pretty darn clear, there is no technical sound to the DAW itself. There may be one exception to that, and I have yeah. not worked with it, and that would be the Harrison 32. And the only reason why I say that would be the one exception is it's based on an actual console, so it's supposed to sound like the Harrison. Right. Aside from that... DAWs in and of themselves, if you feed them audio tracks recorded from any other DAW with no processing on them whatsoever, and I've done this, so I know this is true, <laughs> you can export them as whatever rough stereo mix with no movements of the faders and no plugins on them, and then invert the phase from one output to another, they will null out. Like I said, I've not done this with yeah. the Harrison 32C, so that may right. be the one exception just because it's based on sounding like the actual Harrison. But all other DAWs, technically speaking, are not emulating consoles. They are just spitting out ones and zeros. Yeah. And that and that's doesn't that, change. Hold that thought there, Jody. But one thing I wanted to bring up there is that – because that's something that you used to see on internet forums everywhere – Right. Yes. Oh, I, I can hear the difference between this and this mix. It was done in there and there. It's like, no, the, the DAW itself doesn't have a sound. No. What you do to it, things that can happen is that how possibly, is one exception here that we'll mention mm -hmm. that my co host here is using, <laughs> is, is dealing with third party plugins that could change things ever so slightly. And you also have the other things of like pan laws. Yes. That do possibly affect something in a minute way but to say that i can hear this mix it sounds like it was done in pro tools this one sounds like it was done in cubase nonsense 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 i'll agree with the whole nonsense thing however what i can say for a hundred percent surety is that mm -hmm. once you start including plugins things can change yeah daw's math may be slightly different and I know from personal experience that Luna does actually do something different strictly with the plugins. Automation and other volume things aside, they don't change anything. You do the same moves in Logic you do in Luna with that. It's same, same. Yeah. However, plugins, suddenly there's something very different. And this is something that I do need to bring up with, with Universal Audio because we had a conversation with Mike from Realitone about it at NAM this past year in 2023, where I did one-for-one -one mixes in Logic and Luna. And I did blind listening tests with a plethora of people. 
And 100% across the board, everybody picked the Luna mixes. There was not one person that picked a Logic mix out of all those. And that's not to say that the Logic mixes sounded bad because they were done the exact same way with the same plugins. Problem is, whatever Luna's doing inside the plugin math that it's using, something is slightly different. And whatever it is, it's causing people to choose the Luna mix over the Logic mix, whether they're a mixing engineer, a producer, or a straight up customer. Yeah. And you were I part would of have, that. I was going to say, I would call absolute BS on that it had would. I not been part of that test. <laughs> right? That's because, crazy. yeah, no, it is crazy. And I would say, no, you're full of it, Jody. It's no reason to suggest otherwise. Yeah. But there is a difference. I think it's down to either time-based plugins and analog emulation plugins. I think those tiny little differences can be what's making the difference. It could also be something in the summing engine of Luna. Yep. But you were not using like, oh, this is summing into an API. This was just a summing in the DAW yeah. straight, right? I did not have the Neve summing bus and the API summing bus at the time I did right. that. Now those yeah. probably add some slight additional variances of what's going on. However, sure. that being said, those emulations that you're talking about in terms of the plugin, I used the same ones in Logic and Luna. So they no, should saying, technically would, be same, same. <laughs> but I, I think there's a certain level of randomness to those kind of plugins as they are. Yeah. I think you could quite possibly, and I haven't tested this. It might be interesting to do if you're really nerdy, but do the same mix in Logic and bounce it several times with the same sort of analog emulation plugins and see if you get a difference there. Sure. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm probably not going to do that because that sounds like a whole lot of work <laughs> and, and very a little lot of time. Reward, that, yes. Very little reward, and I don't have probably the time to do that. Bottom line here is what we're trying to say, I think, at least I'll, I'll include you in this, right. is that don't switch the DAWs for the sound of it. No. If you're thinking like, oh, my buddy gets so good results when he uses FL Studio. Mm -hmm. No, it's ones and zeros. Yeah. Other than my... So, Unique yeah, other than that I did. And, maybe I, and I don't necessarily want to necessarily make the recommendation that that's the reason to switch to another DAW. I agree with you. The sound is not necessarily the thing. You still should be able to do a quality, awesome mix, regardless of the DAW, regardless of whatever plugins you're using. Do you have a DAW that you recommend? Yeah, I, logic. Because <laughs> yeah. well, Just because I know it the best, and I'm like, if somebody asks me, what should I get? Mm -hmm. Because there is really no other reason to me to change, like rather than the things that we have discussed, right? Sure. Whether it's cost or workflow or whatever. If you're just getting in on the ground floor, you get a full package. Mm -hmm. This is not sponsored by Apple. But anything that would be conducive to your workflow, what it is that you want to do. Mm -hmm. If you are an EDM guy, maybe you want to give... Ableton Live a shot, or maybe Bitwig or something. Right. If you're curious to, I just want to get in on recording and see what happens. Well, maybe try Reaper. You don't necessarily have to make a huge financial investment. I never fail to recommend Logic. And then they, you know, they call me when they have issues, and then I regret recommending it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, though? What, what's your recommendation? I'm going to go with this caveat. 
For writing and recording, I go with Logic, mainly because I'm extremely stupid fast with it. Mm -hmm. And it comes with the plethora of things that we've discussed earlier in the episode. In and it's terms, 200 bucks. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no. Yeah. With mixing for me and mastering, it's 100% now Luna. The reason that I'm recommending Luna in terms of a mixing or mastering standpoint is that blind listening test that I did with a bunch of people. It just makes sense to go with the one that everybody's choosing the mix for. Yeah, that's a few things to think about if you're switching your DAW. If you're doing it for workflow reasons, great. If you're just being a masochist and you just want to do something else, hey, knock yourself out. Okay? Exactly. With that, we'll move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got this week? One of my favorite plugin manufacturers, Brainworks, mm -hmm. they have come out with a new mastering plugin, and it's called the MasterDesk Pro. Sweet. This is based around a couple of their older plugins like the MasterDesk and their Clipping plugin, mm -hmm. but it's now in one interface. So they have a plugin now that obviously designed for mastering to check your levels and, and making sure you have the right LUFS and all this kind of stuff with all the functionality that you would expect in a mastering plugins. That was my find for this Friday. It's uh, MasterDesk Pro by Brainworks. What about you? I'm going with a plugin called Neural Note. It is a free audio to MIDI plugin designed by DAMRSN. Uh, maybe it's damn reason, I don't know. The idea here is if you need to transcribe your audio into MIDI, this is a free plugin that can help you do that. It's certainly helpful when you need to work fast to do this kind of stuff. And that it's is free, right? And it's yeah. free, so you can't beat that price. Cool. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. You'll need to be on our email list to be eligible for future giveaways, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of this awesome podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the word DAW, or the phrase, or the anacronym DAW, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page, and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say see you next week. Have a good one, Jody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.